When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Off The Bench. Yes, a big good afternoon and a second edition of Off the Bench right around the southwest for your Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby, the Fremantle Dockers champion, four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, 2000 NAB Rising Star and 2003 All-Australian. A big good afternoon to you, Hayes. Good afternoon to you, Ben. How good are we going? We've got a second show. We must be doing something right. There's so many programs out there that never get to the second. We've got to the second. So we look forward to continuing to bring you the good stuff. We've got past the pilot. I think they thought, well, it can only get better from here. So we'll <laughs> let them come back for a second time. So much for us to get through. It's been a huge week in terms of the debate surrounding the state of the game. We'll cover off all of that Paul Hazelby, you always have some strong thoughts. We'll have all of the team news for you, all of that released last night. The dig, you're going to have a crack at someone. Uh, we'll catch up with the South West's own, Catherine Slattery, the only West Aussie uh, in the squad for the Hockey Roos at the World Cup at the moment. So we'll have a chat to Catherine all the way from London. We're hoping to catch up with Brad Green, who made some really strong comments surrounding trialling rules in season and the plight of West Perth have entered voluntary administration. Uh, we'll discuss all of that and hopefully check in with the President, Scotty Ballum, as we move through the next two hours or so, Hey, So, so much for us to get through and so much to unpack in the world of sport. Absolutely. Lots to talk about. But we're going to start off with a big call, and you've been waiting for this one all day to come out with your big call. So you go first. I'm going to start with, I think North Melbourne might beat the West Coast Eagles this weekend down in uh, at Blundstone Arena in the Apple Isle because, well, they've got a really strong record down there, North Melbourne. 13 of 17 games they've played down there, they've won. Uh, the conditions are tricky. It's often very cold down there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue and Whites get it done over the uh, the blue and gold of the West Coast Eagles. Sounds to me like you're having a bit each way here. Is that a big call they will win or they might win? Big call. They will win. The West Coast Eagles will slip up and lose to North Melbourne on the weekend. Okay, my big call. And we've seen soccer infiltrate the sport of AFL in recent seasons with a lot of numbers around the ball. They're calling it the bubble with so many players in a 50-metre vicinity. I think what's going to happen this weekend, soccer is going to come to haunt us. It's going to be a scoreless draw between the Gold Coast Suns (laughs) and the Carlton Football Club. I don't think they're going to score a goal, Ben. Really? It it could be a very uninspiring game of footy. Who wins, do you think? Well, look, you just have to go for the home team. I think the Gold Coast Suns showed last week when they put it together for four quarters, they're pretty good. Carlton, they've been very disappointing this year. But Patrick Cripps, the country boy here from WA, he did re-sign. So maybe that's put a bit of a spring in their step. But I'll go with the Gold Coast in a scoreless draw, maybe seven to six. You did go to your first ever game of 
round ball football, if you will, during the week. You went to the Perth Glory taking on Chelsea. What did you make of it? Look, it was a very good uh, event. There was a big build-up. There was lots of numbers there. The crowd got here early. Crowd interaction was fantastic. The actual game probably wasn't the greatest. They scored in the fifth minute. Now it was fairly uninspiring, it wasn't was. it? It was. After that, what? not too much happened. It was pretty average conditions as well. But uh, I thought the Perth Glory showed some good signs, defended well, and I think that holds them in a good position for the upcoming season with the new coach. They'll clearly be more, more drilled under uh, Tony Popovich. From what I've heard, he watches them like a hawk. He is really trying to bring the winning mentality to this Perth Glory group and that involves uh, making sure that you get your details right when you do your yoga, when you sleep, uh, eating, all of that. It's a, a holistic approach to try and turn around the culture in this group. Ross Lyon did that when he first came to Fremantle. Came in very strong and he was very demanding on all of his coaches and medical staff to make sure they did everything like that right. We've got a lot more to come. All of the AFL team news is coming up next here on Off the Bench right around the southwest. Great to have you with us. You're listening to Off The Bench. You certainly are. Great to have you with us on your Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby absolutely loves a Friday afternoon now that he's finished with footy. He can kick back. He can have a cold one. He can prepare for the weekend and relax with the family and then enjoy the footy as he watches all of the action. Let's start off with the uh, the team news, Paul, because always big news when the teams are released on a Thursday afternoon and uh, well, it rolls right throughout the weekend to see who will get out on the park. You've got all of them in front of you. Absolutely. We start with the Bombers taking on the Sydney Swans. In good form, the Bombers. Francis comes in. He's a highly rated player. Connor McKenna, Jake Stringer also back into the lineup. Travis Collier, Sean McKernan and Ben McNeese all go out of the side. For the Sydney Swans, Jordan Dawson and Heath Grundy comes back in. He's been left out a couple of times, Ben. How do you feel about a grade of the game? He's been a very good fullback for a long time, missing out. Out goes Darcy Cameron and Harry Marsh. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by that. He's been a a champion for the Sydney Swans for a long period of time. So uh, I'm fascinated that he's found himself out of the side. Yeah, absolutely. Richmond taking on Collingwood. Liam Baker is going to make his debut. Subiaco boy, he's been a very good player for Subiaco for a couple of seasons. And he was picked up. He's taking his time to get his opportunity, but he's going to run out in front of 100,000 supporters. What a debut that will be. Jacob Townsend also comes in. Connor Menadieu and Callum Moore go out. For the Pies, Callum Brown, Darcy Moore, they come into the team. Jordan Degoe out for two weeks. That's a big injury. And Braden Sear is out injured as well. We then move on to the Cats taking on the Brisbane Lions. Lockie Fogarty comes in. Jermaine Jones goes out for the Brisbane Lions. Harris Andrews back after that big collision he had probably four weeks ago now. And Luke Hodge also comes back into the lineup. Cedric Cox and Tom Cutler go out. He's out with suspension. Two weeks for Tom Cutler. The Giants taking on St Kilda. Sam Taylor comes in. Lachlan Keith goes out for the Saints. Blake Akers, Nathan Brown, Nick Caulfield, Jack Loney all come in. Out goes David Armitage, Hunter Clark, Ed Phillips, Bailey Rice. David Armitage, 30, part, 30 possessions, two goals mm. a couple of weeks ago. Now out of the team omitted. He's at the crossroads, isn't he, David Armitage? He spent a, a fair bit of time playing for the Sandringham Zebras in the, uh, in the VFL. I think he really is... Uh, approaching the the back end of his career, unfortunately. He was a a really, really good player for the Saints for a long time. Had a great year one year where he averaged 28 possessions. 
For the Suns and the Blues, Jack Bowes, Fiorini, David Swallow come in. Out goes Calamarchi with an illness. Charlie Ballard and Braden Crossley. And for Carlton, Kieran Byrne, Jed Lamb, Darcy Lang, Sam Rowe, Dale Thomas all come in. Levi Caspolt has been omitted again. Zach Fisher out injured. Nick Graham, Liam Jones and Matt Shaw, the other players, to go out of the lineup there. The Adelaide Crows taking on Melbourne. Taylor Walker comes back in. Tom Duday goes out. Injured. What a season he's put together. He's been fantastic. It is his third year on the list. So he's had a really good couple of years in the SANFL, just honing his craft. And I reckon they develop players as well as anybody. Maybe only second to the Sydney Swans, the Adelaide Crows, because, uh, well, they don't have any top 10 draft picks on their list. And obviously last year they were able to make it through to a grand final. So they do have a means to develop young talent and uh, really make them into A-graders. Massive game, that one for both clubs. On Sunday, we've got North Melbourne and the West Coast Eagles. Larky, Mackay, Murphy, Walker, Wood all come in for North Melbourne. Alex Morgan goes out injured. And for the Eagles, Archie, Barras, Jackson Nelson, Petrocelli, Jake Waterman comes in. Lewis Jetta is out at this stage. Still squads at this stage as well. We've got the Western Bulldogs taking on Port Adelaide. Shane Biggs, Marcus Bontempelli comes back in. Fergus Green, Lipinski, Porter, Roberts and Young. Out goes Tom Boyd, Dowhouse, Billy Gowers for the power. Bonner, Farrell, Frampton, Johnson, Jonas, Motlop. And Paddy Ryder. Out is that the same Amon. as Tony Jonas? Yes, that's him. Dougal Howard and Lindsay Thomas. And the Dockers, Hayden Ballantyne, Andrew Brayshaw, Sean Darcy, Stephen Hill. And no outs at this stage for the Hawks. Burgoyne, DeRay, Lewis, Nash, O'Meara. Daniel Howe out with that suspension. Good job, Hayes. A marathon effort from you there. Uh, we'll discuss the state of the game when we come back. Some good news for those of you who are resisting change to the AFL here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. The great Fremantle docker, Paul Hazelby, and myself, Ben Cameron, joining you for your Friday afternoon, and fantastic to have you with us. A little bit wet around the state here today, Hayes. Hopefully it uh, it finds up for the weekend and all of the uh, the footy action, Fremantle taking on Hawthorne at Optus Stadium on the weekend. But the big talk right throughout the week has been surrounding trialling rules and game adjustments. Now, that is the phrase. It's not rule changes. Game adjustments from Steve Hocking is what they're talking about to try and fix the AFL with all of the congestion at the moment. But uh, earlier this morning, Friday morning, uh, Western Standard Time, Gil McLaughlin has spoken on Melbourne Radio, and he said that there won't be any changes or there won't be any trialling of rules in games, dead rubbers, home and away season games this year at least. In the AFL, absolutely. Mm. They will trial it at the other levels, it looks like. But then there's the integrity issue of those state competitions as well that they need to deal with. I think they made a massive meal of this whole situation. They should never have come out uh, going back two or three months and introduced the competition committee, put all the rule changes on the table. I just think it's been a bad look for the game. That's been the discussion point. We should be talking about how good the Richmond Tigers are going and the West Coast Eagles, what a season they put together. Nathan Buckley has turned things around, but everywhere you look, everywhere you read, we're talking about the rule changes. I do think they need to make some changes, though. I'm happy for the 6-6-6 six, six and six to be trialled, and I'm also happy for that to come in, because I don't think it makes the game any worse. It just tries to spread it out a little bit more, ease congestion at those centre bounces. If that's just one thing that happens, I think that's good for the game. I think there's a little bit of confusion between zones and starting positions, the 6-6-6. Six, six and six. I mean, Six, six, and six barely changes anything. It doesn't change anything. You just have to start in those areas, and then you can run and go where you please. Now, for those of you who may have missed it, this is what Gil McLaughlin had to say during the week about the potential of trialling rules in season. 
Is there any possibility you would trial proposed rules at the end of this home and away season in a real game? Certainly thinking about it. What do you reckon? Well, you should. Hmm. That's I, my view. I understand the... So I can, tell, I, I can tell you that there's three fixtures on consecutive weekends that I don't think will have any bearing on the eight as we stand today. We've got another couple of weeks to play. Um, and we've, So I know enough to know there's fixtures that are available where we could do it. And we're certainly discussing it, uh, whether that's appropriate. And, we, and emerging view is that I think it is. So that audio from Gil McLaughlin has obviously been superseded now, but it's interesting. I wonder whether he was just putting it out there to maybe gauge the reaction, Hayes, which was pretty negative, to be fair, and uh, has been shot down, and now the AFL has decided that they won't do it. Well, where's the communication between the AFL and the clubs? They're a key stakeholder here. Why did he make a phone call to all of those clubs to say, this is what we're thinking about, how would you feel if that was your team in that situation? Would you do it? Those clubs probably would have said, no, we don't want to do that. We think it strikes at the integrity of the game. Issue over. But he's put it out in the public domain. The PR battle, and I know everybody's talking about it, I think they've lost the PR battle massively this year. They've handled it poorly, you think? Absolutely. Steve Hawking shouldn't be Gil talking McLaughlin. about all this stuff. It is a conversation that, that uh, naturally just sort of gets everyone uh, deeply emotional and, and really involved. It, it cuts to the core of how we feel about the game. So uh, I, I somewhat agree with you. I think they have handled it somewhat poorly, but I, I do think that it's good that we're having the discussion as to how can we make the game better. Yeah, but they should be having that discussion anyway with stakeholders. I'm not sure they needed a competition committee to do that. Steve Hocking could have gone around to every club, every stakeholder within the game, supporters, players, coaches, you name it, got some feedback and then done what they're paid to do. The commission are there to be the governors of the game and make big decisions. We'll see whether they can do that at the end of the season. They did always say that they would make changes in October and not on the run throughout the season. One rule that definitely needs changing. We'll discuss that next year on Off the Bench. We'll also discuss West Perth, voluntary administration in the WAFL, the competition's oldest club in a lot of strife. You're listening to Off the Bench. And it's a sad tale in the WAFL at the moment. The competition's oldest club and certainly one of their most storied in West Perth entering voluntary administration. Now over $600,000 of debt to the West Perth Football Club. And our understanding is that the two main creditors are the Australian Tax Office and also Venues Live who built their facility uh, up at Arena Joondalup. So it does look, unless there is a white night in the next little period of time, Paul Hazelby, that, well, the West Perth Football Club may cease to exist as we've known them for uh, for over a century. Are you serious in that? you think that the West Perth Football Club could go away or is it just a name change you're talking about? Surely the footy commission, the AFL, would be forced to step in at some stage here to support this club. They do represent a great part of our state here in Western Australia with the development of the northern suburbs. I'm not sure we want to be going down that path and I know they probably need a white knight, but surely there is some support. You can negotiate with the ATO to do a deal. They just need to probably get rid of that venues live or venues west uh, debt that they do have. No, so I don't think um, the club will fold as such, but I do think that if they cannot uh, clear their debts, and uh, then I think the WA Footy Commission, as you mentioned, will take control of the footy club and um, then they will become more than likely the Joondalup Falcons. So they're, they're currently 
Uh, West Perth, uh, based up at Joondalup, as we well know. I think they'll become the Joondalup Falcons and they'll have a new constitution and a new board and they will no longer be the West Perth footy club as they have been for over a, a century in the WAFL. If you do go to a name change like Joondalup, does that then also put you just in one suburb as well? Are they better off going to the northern suburbs Falcons or something like that? Yeah, I don't mind that. The northern corridor Falcons or or something of the like. Because you pick one suburb, then then people outside that suburb don't belong to that suburb. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, though. I still think it represents the the greater area. So everyone who is in those northern suburbs can identify as, as that being their team in the WAFL. Yeah, absolutely. But the bigger issue here is the challenge that Waffle Clubs now face. And I think the AFL needs to step up. I'm not sure much money is being determined to be placed towards the clubs here in the Waffle. I think a lot of it's been channelled out to go Mm. to the two expansion clubs that we've seen. There's been a bit of talk about Tasmania. They're doing it tough. The AFL have to be very careful not to lose their heartland states that grow the game and have been the cornerstone of our game for so long. Yeah, there's a lot of issues at play here and uh, and one of which is is certainly... um, Having the the waffle as the talent pathway to to bring the kids through and and develop the talent, which then goes into the AFL. So they do need to be really careful about how they go about doing that and handling this whole situation, uh, the AFL, with what's going on. The one thing I'm concerned about, they had the... um, uh, extraordinary meeting last night to outline the financial situation to the members and only 130 people turned up. I would have thought with a club with as much support as West Perth and as much history and tradition as West Perth, they could have got a few more people down there and perhaps really tried to rally to get this club back on its feet. I mean, we saw it with Port Melbourne in the VFL recently. Gillam McLaughlin uh, went and, and did a drive and he bought 10 memberships. People who didn't support the club bought memberships and all of a sudden they were back on their feet and then they won the VFL Premiership last year. And that could come in time though. This was just a discussion that was had for them to try and outline their financial path going forward. But I want to talk to you after the break about what I think will change the game and help all clubs. Okay, we'll discuss that next here on Off the Bench right around Western Australia. Great to have you with us, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are, and still to come, we've got the dig. Paul Hazelby and myself will have a crack at uh, someone or something in the world of sport. We'll hone in on the West Coast Eagles. Some big news about uh, a highly touted assistant coach at the West Coast Eagles who's had well, I'd say a significant impact on their renaissance or their, their form this year, uh, maybe leaving the West Coast Eagles. A free focus, the South West Catherine Slattery to join us and the weighted tipping game. Now, Paul Hazelby, last week you assigned your five points to the Sydney Swans to beat the Gold Coast Suns and they got rolled. Did you do the same? No. I you gave didn't. my five points to Richmond to beat St Kilda. So we'll go through our scores out of 15 a little bit later on. And uh, we're also hoping to have a chat to Brad Green, the former Melbourne player who made some really strong comments during the week. But right now, Paul Hazelby, you wanted to have your say about something just before we uh, we had a little bit of a spell here on Off the Bench. I think the AFL needs to look at this. I think they need to reduce the salary cap spend on the football department. So I'm not talking about the player wages. I'm talking about what they spend on coaches, medical staff, fitness staff, and all those types of people within the organisation. Right now, they're spending around $10 million. And I don't know if you know, Ben, but the coaches have got out to about 10 or 12. You've got assistant coaches, you've got 
got the senior coaches, then you've got development coaches. So they're spending so much money. Why can't we cut that in half? Cut it back where each club is only allowed five coaches. That's it. You don't need any more. And to help with that, I think you can reduce the list. Right now we have about 44 people on a list. Take that down to 34. Then automatically you don't need those extra coaches, do you? And what that will do, if you were picking only 34 players on your list... Then what happens if you've got 12 injuries, Hayes? Or say 13, you can't fill a team. You can go to the state league competitions and top up with those players. But if you only had 34 players on your list... What sort of player would you fill them with? Would you fill them with players, players who that are can ready play? to go? Mm. So you wouldn't have all these eighteen-year-olds. So it would solve the problem of the draft age. I would think that clubs would be then more inclined to go and recruit players that are ready-made and not at the eighteen years of age age bracket. I still disagree with you on that. I still think they would go and get guys who they think could become superstars because otherwise you miss out. You so say do you it. say you overlooked. Let's say it's Luke Davies Unicky. Let's say you overlook him. And then perhaps in four years, he becomes the Dustin Martin of the competition. If you have first crack at him, you are obligated to try and get him when you can. Otherwise, you miss out on him. Agree, but he was a number four pick. I'm not saying that they're not going to take the 18-year-olds with their early picks. But what I do know is they will start to pick mature age players uh, later in the draft because they have to be ready to play at AFL level because their list size relies on them being ready if they do get injuries throughout the season. The flow-on effect of that is all these 18-year-olds, they go back into the second-tier competitions, the state leagues, which is great. The money that you saved on the coaches, which across 18 clubs, let's say you save $5 million across all clubs. How much is that, Ben? That's nearly $100 million. Do you think that would be great on second-tier competitions? You could actually improve the coaching structure around those clubs? My maths isn't great, but that's $90 million, I believe. So that's a lot of money to be able to pump back into grassroots footy. And it's a little bit different because, you know, in soccer, we want to spend a lot of money in Australia to make us competitive against who? The big clubs around the world. Well, the big nations, yeah. Yeah. Do we need to do that in AFL? We don't. We don't need a competition that has to be at the absolute higher echelon. We need to build something that's sustainable at all levels that's going to continue to bring revenue into the game. Give me a call when you want me to be the CEO. (laughs) Good stuff, Gil. Paul Hayes will be throwing his hat in the ring to take over from Gil McLaughlin as the AFL CEO. Uh, We've been very footy heavy early on here and off the bench. We'll talk some of the other things going on in the world of sport. When we come back... Plus the dig still to come here on Off the Bench for your Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. And it's the only time of the week you will catch Paul Hayes will be having a dig. Uh, well, you're not one for physical manual labour, are you, Paul Hayes? Will be just... Oh, come on, mate. I'm a hardware son. Are you? Yeah. Oh, you moisturise your face from what I've heard, though. I don't do that. Hazelby's hardware. When I was young, mate, I used to do all the hard work. I used to do mulesing with the sheep and all that type of stuff. Do you want to hear about the... I was a tradie when I was going through uni. I helped out my mate who was a concreter, owned his own building company, so he did a lot of different jobs. And um, one day we had to drop off some stuff at the hire company. So he said, take off the ladder, take off the uh, the wheelbarrow and uh, and sort of take the, the ladder back. It was this big ladder because we're doing a tough job. So... I took it back. Anyway, then I, I put it back on the back of the ute. He said, is that on properly? I said, yeah, mate, it is Friday afternoon. Jump in the car, crack open a cold one, start drinking it. We drive off. Anyway, next minute we go around the corner. The wheelbarrow comes tumbling <laughs> off, almost takes out about four cars in the intersection. 
He just looked at me and said, mate, get out, get it. I was lucky it didn't hit a car and didn't hurt anybody, but uh, that was the end of my career as a tradie. And you went straight to journalism. I, well, I was already doing journalism and broadcasting. and I, you I just, made the right call? I think I realised, well, I'm not very good at this either, but I, I think I realised that I definitely wasn't uh, cut out to do that job. Let's do the dig. Dial before you dig the essential first step Paul Hazewee, who would you like to have a dig at? I'm going to dig the Fremantle Dockers, and I'm going to dig not the Ford line, all the talk around the Fremantle Dockers in the Ford line. I'm not going to blame them for their current issues. I'm going to blame the midfield and the defence of the Fremantle Dockers. We all talk about the defence as if it's pretty good, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, the last two out of the last three games, they gave up 72 inside 50s against Melbourne up there in Darwin. Now, is that the forward line's fault if you give up 72? Oh, it's probably the midfield's fault. I don't know what the defenders can do about the inside 50s. They've just got to defend them, don't they? Well, they've got to get the ball out and then use it well to the midfield to make sure it doesn't but come straight back But if they've got no one in. to kick it to, what can they do? That is true. And then they played last week. They gave up 62 inside 50s against the Bombers. And in the game against Melbourne, they only had 29 themselves and 36 last week. So I'm going to have a dig at the midfield and the defence of the Fremantle Dockers. Lift your game. Lots of superstar players in that combination, but they're not playing well. No, they're not. I'm going to have a dig at, uh, well, the Big Bash League. I said last week when we spoke about it on this show that it's too long, and I reckon it's claimed its first scalp. Mitch Johnson is not playing for the Perth Scorchers this year. Instead, he's going to the cashed-up UAE T20 League, and I think that is uh, a result of the fact that he can make more money for less work playing in a shorter tournament, why would he play over eight or nine weeks when you factor in the pre-season work he would have to do to get ready for the tournament? It's too much. He's thought, I can go over there and have a shorter tournament and make more money. Why am I going to bother? So I reckon it has claimed its first scalp by making the tournament so long. Can I counter dig that? You can. Because he's getting offered 350000 to go play in the UAE. He's not getting offered that to play with the Perth Scorchers, is he? He would be on a contract of maybe one fifty two hundred. Isn't that just good business? He's saying that it's probably about the longevity of the season, mm. but I think it's more to do with he's getting towards the end of his career. He's got to take the money options. I think it's a little bit of both, Hayes. I genuinely do. I think the fact that the, the Big Bash runs so long, I mean, he'd probably like to be at home, but if he's going to earn, I reckon it'd be somewhere around 250 for the big bash if he's going to earn that for nine weeks and he can earn 350 for four which would you do yeah absolutely you take the uae option but you've got some concerns haven't you and we'll see how that plays out in the coming months when the big bash starts up don't dig yourself into a hole lodge a free dial before you dig inquiry the hopman cups future will discuss that sam kerr is absolutely rolling the tour de france and everything else in the world of sport coming up in the next hour here on off the bench you're listening to Off The Bench. And just like that, we're into our second hour here on Off The Bench for your Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby, the Fremantle Dockers champion, and myself, Ben Cameron, will expand our horizons in this second hour. Hayes, we're very football-centric, Aussie rule-centric in that first hour, but we'll, uh, we'll hone in on the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers, but also discuss everything else going on in sport, the Hopman Cup, uh, the future of that tournament was discussed at length or has been over the past fortnight or so. And Catherine Slattery from the Hockey Roos, who are involved in a World Cup, she will join us. Uh, the South West owned Catherine Slattery from South Stirling near Denmark, Albany, Mount Barker, down in that region. And the weighted tipping game will be back once again as well. But Paul Hazelby, 
Let's get stuck into uh, our eagle eye here on uh, Off the Bench where we take a look at the West Coast Eagles and some big news dropped by Damien Barrett last night on the footy show. Let's have a listen. Damien Barrett now joins us with all the news and you've got something from the West Coast right off the bat. Damien, welcome tonight to you. Hi, Ed. Uh, It's champion uh, Hawthorne footballer Sam Mitchell, as we know, who left uh, Melbourne in a blaze of headlines two years ago. He's going to be returning to Victoria as of the end of this season. He has made that... uh, aware to the West Coast Eagles officials. He spent the past two seasons there. Yet last year as a player where they made the second week of finals, this year as a, a really key component to this club that goes into round 19 in second place on the ladder. We do believe, though, the initial deal was a four-year deal, so there's two years in limbo with that deal. But uh, he's going to be in demand, Ed. Uh, there's uh, clubs now aware, we believe, that he will be returning and uh, he's considered to be in the industry a coach in waiting, a real big uh, bidding war now for his services for next okay. year. So Damien Barrett last night on the uh, on the footy show speaking about the future of Sam Mitchell. What do you make of those comments from Damien Barrett and how big a loss is it for the West Coast Eagles? It was going to happen at some point, wasn't it? Whether it be next year, the year after, or the year after that. He always came here with a four-year plan, but he is an ambitious young man and he wants to be a coach in his own right. Look, it will be a loss. You can't hide from that. I think he's done a great job with the midfield this year. We all had doubts on that part of the ground, didn't we? And all of a sudden, I believe they've got four A-graders now. Jack Redden stepped up and maybe that's got something to do with Sam Mitchell. Andrew Gass probably taking his game to a new level as well. Elliot Yo's made the transition into the midfield and Luke Shuey probably hasn't been at the heights he has been in past years but they are a very good midfield. Hutchings has played a role in that as well. They will miss him. You can't argue that. I think Adam Simpson will miss some of his knowledge and support as well but I think there are other players that can come in and step up that have maybe just come out of the game that might fill that role. Is it disappointing that he leaves only two years into the four-year commitment? Or do you understand that Melbourne's home maybe he needs to go back for family reasons? Yeah, maybe family reasons, but I just think you want to do in life what you're happy doing and he's given it a chance to come here and it was good for the West Coast. It probably didn't work out great from a playing perspective, but he now goes back there and, look, I think he can hold a lot of impact at a club like the Carlton Football Club. Yeah, perhaps. Maybe he can help them out. What about the game this weekend? I said off the top in my big call that I think they might get done by North Melbourne this weekend. Do you think they would? No, I don't think they would. I watched them last week. I was super impressed. Now, I know the conditions aren't going to be great down there in Tasmania, so that's going to play a part in this, but I still think they'll get the job done against North Melbourne, who are just starting to fade from their early season form. Yeah, they are just fading a little bit. It is a tough ground to play, which is what my concern is heading down there. I remember a few years ago, West Coast played North and they were kicking the ball and it was basically mm. being blown back over their head. That was a dramatic day. Called a uh, Ben Cameron kick. <laughs> Mate, mine are slow spinners, and they can come back at me very, very quickly. You're exactly right, Hayes. Our Frio Focus is coming up next. Also, Catherine Slattery, everything else in the world of sports, and uh, hopefully a little bit of local footy as well. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Off the Bench. Fantastic to have your company, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron, as we tuck into our Frio Focus. Paul Hazelby, the former Dockers champion, uh, Hayes, they take on Hawthorne on Sunday afternoon at Optus Stadium. Uh, can they win and end Hawthorne's season? They can win. There's no doubt about that. They've been hard to toss at home this year, but they bring in Ballantyne, Brayshaw, Darcy and Stephen Hill. But interesting selections there. Ballantyne, I'm just not sure what they're trying to get out of him. I think he's coming towards the end. But the other issue they've got is Brandon Matera as well. He hasn't mm. had a great season. He's that forward pocket that they need to step up. Brady Gray's another one that's played that role. I think he's coming towards the end of his contract at the Fremantle Dockers. But no... Aaron Sandlands, 
That's interesting. I think he's still recovering from that calf. And what do you think about his future? The, the word is that he is weighing up whether he does retire. No, I think you made the point and you made it really well earlier on in this season that it is the end for Ballantyne, Sanderlands. I think there was one more old stager, obviously Michael Johnson as well, which we well know now with uh, Ross coming out and speaking about that. I think the only one who goes on is Dave Mundy. I think for the rest, it's curtains, unfortunately. And a lot of them have been great servants for the Fremantle Football Club, but I think their time's up. And you obviously agree, having made that comment. Daniel Pearce and also Lee Spur, the other two that are likely to be shown the door, or will be shown the door. But with the Aaron Sandlands one, my understanding is the club are still keen for him to go around again. It's Why? probably him more so, because I think they believe that maybe Sean Darcy is not quite ready, but I think they need to back him in and build a midfield that's built around him that's going to be ready to play their best footy in two to three years. If they do go another year with Aaron Sandlands, that puts at risk that plan and Darcy wouldn't get too much opportunity because I don't believe they can play the two in the same team. What about the non-selection of Harley Bunnell this week? He is now at a stage where there is no limitation from a game time perspective put on the coach Cam Shepherd of the Peel Thunder Football Club. Why hasn't he been selected? His form's been good enough to come in. Do you think they're just giving him one or two more weeks? But at some stage, they need to play this guy. Yeah, eventually you have to pull the trigger, don't you? You would have played him this week? I would have played him this week. He had no limitations on time last week. He's played through the midfield. He's also gone forward. I would have thought that right now where the Fremantle Dockers are at, if there's no risk of injury, I would have played him. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think now is the time. So I, I can't answer that. Maybe they do just want to give him one more week and then getting back into the team. Then he goes on the road, though. You'd probably want to play the first game at home where you don't have the travel restrictions put in place. But it's a challenging time for the Fremantle Dockers and Harley Bunnell. I think the Hawks will be too strong. They have too much to play for. Jager O'Meara comes back into that lineup, as does Sean Burgoyne, who we know at his best is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. He's just that guy that steps up at the right time. Do you think he should go on next year, Burgoyne? Yeah, I think he can. I agree with you. I think there hasn't been a more clutch player in the AFL over the past 30 years. And I made a, I think I made on uh, off the bench a few weeks ago some points about how they can always count on Sean Burgoyne when they need someone to step up in the biggest of moments. And he, he always has right throughout his career. Where's it won and lost on, on Sunday afternoon, Hayes? Well, I think they're going to have to do something about Tom Mitchell because he's in great form. I think Bailey Banfield will go yeah. to him. But can you stop Tom Mitchell? I think you can if you really go hard. But then they do have some other midfielders that can stand up. Look, they need to stop Bruce. I think he's the key player. He's been in pretty good form this year, as has Gunston. So, you know, Roughhead's the one that's just getting the ball to ground. And those smaller forwards with their leading patterns have been hard to toss. I don't think the Fremantle Dockers have the small defenders to go with those two players. Totally agree with you, Hayes. Uh, a lot more to come here on Off the Bench. The Tour de France, the future of the Hopman Cup, and Sam Kerr continuing to light it up. We'll discuss all of that next when we come back. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. The weighted tipping game still to come. Paul Hazelby was absolutely certain that the Sydney Swans would take care of the Gold Coast Suns, and well, unfortunately, you were wrong, Paul Hazelby. You got that one a little bit wrong, but you weren't an orphan. I think a lot of people 
were surprised by that result last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You can't get everything right in life, Ben. But what about the Hopman Cup, mate? You've got some strong news on the Hopman Cup, whether that will continue here in Western Australia. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Just a little bit of news surrounding the World Team Cup, which is a, a men's competition, and what that meant for the future of the Hopman Cup. And a lot of people in regional areas, they love their tennis, play a lot of tennis, and I'm sure many of uh, our friends here on Off the Bench uh, get up to Perth and watch the Hopman Cup. Now, we did get a statement from Tennis Australia who run the Hopman Cup saying that uh, they have a deal with the West Australian government until 2022, and they fully intend to honour that. So uh, they're still working through exactly what it means with the World Team Cup going on and what effect that will have on the Hopman Cup, but they fully intend to honour their contract and the Hopman Cup to continue to run until 2022, which is good news because I, I think we all want it to continue, don't we? Absolutely, but the risk here is to the rest of Australia, isn't it? If the World Team Cup doesn't go ahead here in Australia, it could go to another country, which means mm. we don't have access to the very best players in the first half of our, of our tennis season. Yeah, and that is another thing that they mentioned. They really wish to ensure that we do have a full season, a full summer of tennis here in Australia, which will help grow the game and keep people interested in it. Young kids can go and watch and maybe choose to play tennis over uh, some of the other sports. So hopefully it all, it all continues the way it is and we get the best outcome for Australian tennis. Ben, who's the greatest sports person in Australia right now? Who would you say that is? I honestly believe that it may well be Sam Kerr. I think she may be her, our best international athlete going around at the moment. And I mean, I know um, it's hard to make a case because you look at people like Dustin Martin, Buddy Franklin, uh, we have a lot of cricketers. Steve Smith, obviously, out of the game at the moment, but he was the number one ranked test cricketer in the world. Uh, we've got some golfers doing tremendous things, but Sam Kerr is absolutely flying at the moment. The uh, The Matildas had a 3-1 win over Brazil overnight, and, uh, well, it started off uh, the defence of their Tournament of Nations crown, and uh, Sam Kerr scored again, and she's just flying. She's better. She's a better athlete a better sportsman than her brother, Daniel, who finished uh, uh, twice in the top three of the Brownlow medal, which is a fair achievement from young Samantha, I reckon. It is, but you're comparing apples with oranges here, aren't you? One yeah, is just course. in a sport that's just played here. The other one is an international sport. That's what we do, though, Hayes, mm. isn't it? I mean, that that is the pub chat that we have when we discuss sport here on Off the Bench every week. Yeah, no, she's up right up there in one of the best sports people in our country. Now, what about the Tour de France? You've been following that pretty closely. Yeah, it seems as though it's Gerard Thomas's tour to lose now. So uh, he is uh, leading the, the tour and Chris Froome, who was the Team Sky uh, team leader, if you will, they were riding for him to win the Tour de France. Uh, he has essentially handed over the leadership. He said, we're riding for uh, Gerard Thomas to try and win it now. And they've got a stage tonight and then they've got the individual time trial, which is 31 kilometres on Saturday. Now, right now, uh, Chris Froome sits 2 minutes 31 behind Geraint Thomas. In second place is Tom Dumoulin, who is, uh, well, only a minute uh, 59 behind Geraint Thomas. Now, I still think Chris Froome will think maybe if he can claw back sometime tonight, he might be able to get a little bit back in the individual time trial, but I think uh, he'll be hard-pressed to do that. So it could well be Geraint Thomas's to lose. That'll be a good result. I like that, given the circumstances around Chris Froome coming into this race. Yep, I tend to agree with you as well. Uh, I would like to see Thomas win it. Uh, more to come here on Off the Bench right around Western Australia. When we come back, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Off the Bench. 
Fantastic to have you with us here on Off the Bench. And moving forward, Hayes, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have a chat about some of the local footy right across the southwest at around about this time in Off the Bench. So many great footballers down there. Uh, I was actually only speaking last night to a, a friend of mine that I still firmly believe that when they introduced Peel Thunder, they should have gone the whole hog and introduced a team into the WAFL if they were going to do it with the southwest. So Dunsborough, Albany, all of that region and uh, brought in a team uh, encompassing the great Southern, if you will, in the WAFL. Bad idea, Ben. They're all too busy surfing down there. <laughs> they love their surfing. And what wouldn't you? Beautiful conditions in that part of the world. But that's uh, extra travel. Look, Peel Thunder didn't really work, did it, when it first came in? Very difficult to get that team to be competitive. I'm not sure. Um, well, they probably would have attracted more people. Where would you rather mm. live? Dunsborough, Bustledon or Mandra? Uh Either of the first two places you mentioned. I, I love the southwest. Mm. I love Dunsborough. I love all of the places in that region. I spent, spent some time down in Albany recently and just had a great time. I went to the uh, the Albany Hotel, sat there. They had the fire on. I watched the Dockers thump uh, Carlton and photos of the McGovern boys up on the wall. It was fantastic. I, I just loved every minute of it. But let's talk some cricket. You've got some news about the power of Justin Langer and selection in Australian cricket, which is always a big topic. Yes, as we know in cricket, there's always been a chairman of selectors and a group of selectors that have been entrusted to pick the Australian cricket team. Justin Langer, since he's gone into the role, has said no, he doesn't want to abide by that principle. He wants to be fully responsible for the selection of the team. And I love that. I think cricket has fallen way too far behind all the other sports around the world. I remember in the AFL there used to be a chairman of selectors. When I actually started coaching South Fremantle, they wanted to put a chairman in selectors in. I said, no way. I'm I'm responsible. I'm going to live and die by the sword of the decisions I make. And I think it's good for Justin Langer to take that upon himself. Yes, he can't get to all the games, but I think in cricket you've got enough uh, vision that you can watch mm. back. You can look at all the statistics and you can get people to you know, talk about runs. But also, of, I think in cricket it's important to see how many chances that a batsman have. We see mm. sometimes they might make 110, but if there's three drop catches, well, that's not a great outcome, is it? No, and you've still got to make them pay. But, I mean... There is the eye test as well. So you can see how a guy is playing and and whether they're good enough to make it at the next level by watching them. So all of that. Justin clearly, I think, will do a fantastic job uh, in that role. So they're not replacing Mark Wall. So Trevor Hones uh, and also Greg Chappell, who's the national talent manager, which makes sense. He has an idea, having worked intimately with all of the kids as they they come through. Justin's the coach of the team. And uh, Trevor Hones is the the man basically in charge of selection. So I think it's a a pretty balanced approach and one that'll work. And a closer relationship with the state coaches is my understanding that if you do want to put a player forward, they can certainly do that and Justin will be in constant communication with those state coaches. I think it makes sense to me, Hayes. I I, I really like it. Uh, Also some other news surrounding Steve Smith. He's going to go play in the... uh, Caribbean or Caribbean uh, T20 league, so he's going to play for the... Which one is it? Caribbean or Caribbean? I don't know. So I always said Caribbean. So you just say both? Well, yeah, I just say both just to keep everyone happy because I always said Caribbean. And then I heard uh, Ryan Lara speaking one day and he said, oh, yeah, man, when we get back to the Caribbean, we'll be doing this. And I thought, (laughs) oh, I've been saying it wrong my whole life. And Brian Lara, 
uh, is a hero of mine. So I'm, I'm a little bit stuck, Ace. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be enjoying Pirates himself. Of the Caribbean. He'd be enjoying himself at the moment, wouldn't he, Steve Smith? Just going mm. around playing in this I don't think it's the worst thing, is it? I think he's going to come back stronger for this. He's made a mistake, a big mistake. He's owned up to it. But I think these guys get so caught up in their own lives. He gets a year off. He's going to come back bigger and better. And we'll see whether he does. Hey, Catherine Slattery, the only West Aussie in the Hockey Roos World Cup squad and the South West Zone to join us next. You're listening to Off The Bench. And Hayes, I thought with the World Cup ongoing at the moment for our Hockey Roos, our women's national hockey team, I thought we should check in with the only native Sandgroper who's in the squad uh, for the Aussies at the moment. She's the Southwest's own Catherine Slattery. They're top of the group at the moment. They've got a big match coming up against New Zealand on Sunday morning, Perth time. And Catherine Slattery joins us all the way from London. Good morning, Catherine. Hi. How, uh, how's the tournament gone so far to your eye? Uh, you guys seem to be tracking along okay. Top of the group at the moment. Yeah, look, I think the tournament's going uh, reasonably well. Uh, obviously difficult to get the draw in our last round game. Um, but our tournament uh, pool is really difficult. It's been uh, dubbed the pool of death. So, you know, I think that's a fair indication of, of how tough um, the competition is over here. But, yeah, we've uh, managed to qualify into the next round regardless of our last round game, which is a really positive thing. Um, um, but, yeah, I think the points that we can get off New Zealand on Saturday uh, will dictate whether we'll be first, second or third, which obviously is really important if you get that first place position. You skip the crossover round, so you get to play one less game and, and track on to the next position forward. Going to be a massive game against New Zealand, but you beat Japan 3-2, but then you drew against Belgium, scoreless draw, but you had your opportunities in that match. You should have probably got more reward for effort. Yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing um, that we weren't able to get a goal. Uh, we, we looked at some of our forward structures and we think we can make some improvements there. Um, you know, the way we entered the circle was a, a little bit too funneled towards the centre. So we think we can use some space around the outsides and just be a little bit more thorough in our attacking 25. What about some of the other teams that you think, uh, as the tournament progresses, are going to be very difficult to beat? Yeah, look, the Dutch are always a really solid team. They're number one in the world. Um, you know, they, they smash career in their round game um, 7-1, so they're clearly, you know, tough opposition. Some of the other teams, such as Germany and Argentina, are looking pretty sharp. They've put some you know, really good uh, performances on the pitch in their, both of their games so far. And yeah, we're hoping to kind of catch them later in the tournament so that we've been able to scout them a little bit better and be up and ready for when we're able to face them. Now, it's 3 a.m. Western Standard Time on Sunday morning that you guys take on New Zealand. And I did see that the captain, old skippity-doo, Emily Smith, says that uh, you're looking to get one back on the Commonwealth Games gold uh, gold medalists in New Zealand. How do we go about doing it? Can we do it? Please do it. We love beating the Kiwis. (laughs) Yeah, look, I think um, a really good team over here and, We've put some really good passages of place there that I think um, the game on yes, well, Saturday our time will will be really exciting. And um, you know, obviously there's always a big rivalry between us and New Zealand, and you know they've, they've piped us at the Com Games and they also got us in the quarterfinal in Rio. So a bit of revenge, I think, kind of flowing through the team. And uh, you know, everyone's pretty excited. We've watched some of their games, and we think you know there's areas that we can really hurt them. So um, you know, I'm pretty excited to be able to get out there and, and be, put some of the things into place to get a good performance out there. 
Now, Catherine, this show goes right out around the southwest into Catherine Slattery country. Uh, tell us about South Stirling. It's not the biggest place, but it's down around Mount Barker, Denmark, Albany region. Yeah, it's a pretty small little area. Um, you know, we've got a farm down there, so grew up in the region. Uh, knows I've had a lot of support from everyone back there, so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but, yeah, it's a little bit dry. I think talking to the old man, he said, you know, we need a bit more rain, but um, they're over here, so hopefully you can forget about it um, for the time being. But, yeah, it's been, you know, it was an interesting childhood growing up down there and very unique in a lot of different ways, but I love going back and, I'm pretty excited to get back down there um, once I get back home from London. Catherine Slattery, the Southwest Zone, joining us here on Off the Bench. Coming up next to wrap up the show, we've got the weighted tipping game. Paul Hazel, we had a mare last week. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we are wrapping it up on Off the Bench for your Friday afternoon. Paul Hazel, be myself, Ben Cameron. And I've got to say, Hayes, thanks for uh, joining us over the past two hours as we went through everything in the world of sport. A lot of footy today, but we get stuck into the weighted tipping game. Now, for the uninitiated, the way this works is you assign the value of points based on your certainty that that team will win. So five points, four points, three, two, down to one. So uh, a possible score is out of 15. Last week, you got 10 out of 15. The only game you got wrong was the one you were most certain about which was the Sydney Swans beating the Gold Coast Suns. I gave that my four points. So I scored 11 out of 15 and you scored uh, 10 out of 15. All right. Well, we get stuck into this week's games. And, geez, it's tough out there. There's so many 50-50 games. There could be some upsets. But I'm going at number five, Ben Cameron, Mm. the GWS Giants to beat St Kilda. I think they'll do that comfortably. That's exactly where I'm headed as well. And you you bang on. There are, I reckon, every game this week, you genuinely don't really know which way it's going to go. So... Uh, I've gone for GWS to beat St Kilda. Having said that, it was a draw when they last met, you remember, hey. So St Kilda, they seem to know how to play against GWS, but uh, the Giants have been rolling of late. So both of us going for five points there. For my four, without a great deal of confidence, I'm going for Port Adelaide to beat the Western Bulldogs. Wow. That's interesting. I'm going with the Geelong Cats to beat the Brisbane Lions. It's down there at the Cattery. They play well. Lots at stake. But, gee, Brisbane are playing a good brand of footy. Hmm. They had the uh, the longest winning streak up to last week, but that was ended when they lost to the Adelaide Crows. Uh, for my three, I've gone for Geelong to beat uh, Brisbane down there at the Cattery. Where are you headed? I went for the Hawks to beat the Fremantle Dockers. I think they just have a lot to play for, and as I said earlier in the program, I think their small forwards will cause a few issues. Okay, where are you going with your two? I'm going with Richmond. I think they'll take on the Collingwood Football Club. Jordan Degoe going out. They've had some injury concerns of late, the Collingwood Football Club. It'll be a great game, 100,000 there at the MCG, but I think the Tigers? How good in the traditional Saturday afternoon time slot. So uh, 11.45 Western Standard Time tomorrow. Hayes, that traditional? Be to... Well, it is for those it's in 12 Melbourne. o'clock was the... 12.10 was the traditional time, wasn't it? When yeah. When we were growing up. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, not totally traditional, but it's in the Saturday mm. afternoon time slot. So you'll be able to roll straight out of bed and uh, and flick that on. Uh, my two, I'm going for the Suns to beat Carlton. I don't wow. know why or how. Wow. That is a real toss of the coin sort of game, but that's where I'm headed. They are a short-priced mm. favourite. They're about $1.36. Now, at my... Well, the house number, always wins, hey, so well, I'm, let's hope I'm so for your sake. Mm. That could be the difference between me winning this week. At number one, I've got Port Adelaide. I think this will be a close game. The Bulldogs 
Bontempelli back in, but I think Port Adelaide, if they are the real deal, they need to win this one down there at Mars Stadium. And interesting, a couple of uh, Western Bulldogs players in an accident uh, the earlier today. Rourke mm. Smith won't play this week with a cut on his head, but it's good to see both of those players are OK. Good to see that they are OK, absolutely, after being involved in that car crash. For my one, I've gone for the Sydney Swans to beat Essendon oh, wow. tonight. Uh, don't try and spook me. You hey. are tossing the coin here. Well, mate, okay, you were the one. Your most certainty last week, your certainty got rolled. So don't get smart with me. Look forward to it. Can't <laughs> wait for tonight's game. Going to be a lot at stake for both teams. I think the Bombers can do it. I like what they're doing of late. Hayes, it's been a lot of fun. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back. All things going to plan if they let us come back next Friday afternoon. Thanks, Ben. Great to have your company over the past two hours here on Off the Bench, right around Western Australia. As I said, all things going to plan. We'll be back next Friday afternoon. We'll see you then as you head towards the weekend. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91